we were just talking back there about uncomfortable silences <laughs> and just joking around with, well, what makes the silence uncomfortable to begin with? Who says silence is uncomfortable? But I think what it is is we can struggle sometimes just to be still and, and just be quiet and to, and I don't mean necessarily quiet with no noise. I mean quiet on the inside, right? Where we forget about life for a while. And I don't mean that we forget about life in general, but we forget about the life that's in the world, right? And what happens is, is the life that God has in himself and the Father gets exalted in our sight. And that becomes so much in our sight that everything else fades to the background and everything around us is made still. And we get lost in the presence of God, right? And that's a powerful thing. You know, some people that, you know, when we, when we lost the worship team, there was some talk about, well, maybe we just won't have worship. And I thought, no, we're going to stick TVs up on the wall because there's a, a lot of power in, in the worship because it's not noise, right? And what happens is, is it can quiet all the other noise. And the point is, is to come together in the presence of the Lord and lose, uh, what, what is it, was it Billy Joel that sang that song, Piano Man? Because he knows they've been, he knows that it's me they've been coming to see to forget about life for a while, right? And guys, we come together to forget about life for a while when we gather together in a church. And like I said, that don't mean to forget about life at all. It means to forget about the life that's in this world because we've been walking around all week looking at the life that's in the world. And a lot of times the noise and the life that's in the world can get exalted in our sight. And we could see the corruption everywhere and we could see the lack everywhere and we could see the darkness everywhere and we could become consumed in our emotions and in our thoughts by all the noise that comes from the life that's in the world. And then we gather together on Sunday. And what happens is, is we forget about the life that's in a world for a while. And we get quiet with the Lord. And the life that's in the Lord and the life that's in the Father can get lifted up in our sight. And we lose ourselves in that. Right? We lose ourselves in the Father. That's why we put the TVs on the wall. Right? That's why we come together and do that. And I love what that dude says. Man, I... The worship like reduces me to a crying baby, right? Because so many times we, we count miracles by what we think we see outwardly. And if we don't think we see it outwardly, we think there wasn't a miracle. But did you hear what that dude said as he got to the end? Even in the death of my brother, miracles and miracles. And he talked about how he was closer than a brother in that place. You know what's... When we see death in the world, and that's why it, it tears me up, because that guy has seen God, right? Because when we see death in the world, that's the, the time we're most compelled to think God ain't there, that we're all alone. Well, we needed him the most. Where is he? He ain't here. Otherwise, how could this death manifest? And that dude's singing about how he saw God with him, even in the death of his brother. And you might think, how did this dude see God with him in the death of his brother? Do you know why how he saw God with him in the death of his brother? He saw Jesus in the middle of his brother's death nailed to a tree. You want to know where God was when you encountered death? You want to know where God was when you encountered the death that was in the world? He was already up in the middle of that death, having brought a plague to it in the person of Jesus Christ. Behold God nailed to a tree in the middle of the death that tried to come against you so that he could conquer it. And so that every time you encountered death, you wouldn't think, where's God? You would see that's where he is. 
He's right there with you. And then when you see him with you in the middle of the death, because you see God himself, Emmanuel himself, nailed to a cross, all of a sudden you see he brought a plague to death in the body of Jesus' resurrection. That's the greatest miracle any of us could ever encounter. The world will try to use the death to tell you, where's your God now? The cross is God saying, I'm in the middle of it to bring it to an end. And then you start seeing God real clear with you there. And you start seeing what the resurrection was actually about. That the resurrection was not about God trying to find a way to be happy with you. That the resurrection was about God being very unhappy that you were being tormented by death. And it's about him entering into the middle of whatever, whatever death wanted to destroy your life and him destroying that death. And you can go read that in Hosea chapter, I think it's chapter 13, verse 14. God himself speaking through the prophet Hosea says, O death, I will be, be your plague. O grave, I will be your destruction. Repentance shall be far from me. I will not relent until you are completely consumed. That's what that dude saw. That's why he could see a miracle, even in the midst of the death of his brother. Right? Because just like they were singing in that song, death is not the end. Jesus, you are, you are. Jesus came and put himself on a tree so that death wouldn't be the end. That is him dealing with the death that tried to destroy your life or your loved one's life. That is the evidence that he was with you. That is the evidence that he cares. That is the evidence that he wasn't far from you. That is the evidence that he was up in the middle of it with you, closer than a brother. Right? And when you start to see that, you'll sing a song like that. Miracles and miracles, count your miracles. Right? The destruction of death, that's the greatest miracle that could ever be. That's what he did. That's what we all needed. That's what we all need. Right? Glory to God. So we, we forget about, we come to forget about life for a while. So we'll just kind of sit here for a second and just thank the Lord. Thank you, Father, that you're here, that you've made your home in us and that you made your home in us to uphold our lives. Thank you, Father, that you're upholding our life with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, we come together with one accord, with one spirit. We come together to see your life and to see you lifted up in our sight. Lord, let everything just kind of be made quiet and fade to the background, Lord. Let everybody in this place, watching this message, let their sight be fixed on you. Let their sight be fixed on the life you have in themselves, Lord. Let everything that's going on in their life, let it be consumed by the glory of your love. Let it be consumed by the resurrection life of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You guys are the place where God finds his rest. He could have lived anywhere, and he chose to live in you. He has perfected your life already from the corruption that's in this world. If you find yourself thinking, if you find yourself worried about your life, if you find yourself worried about what's going on in the world, 
If you find yourself feeling confused and anxious, not knowing what will be, God has already perfected your life. That's what he did when he poured out of himself his Holy Spirit so he could come and dwell inside of you. He's taken it upon himself to care for your life. He's taken it upon himself to uphold your life, to keep your tabernacle, to keep your temple, to keep your life from the pestilence, from the plagues, from the death that's in the world. Father, let your presence be lifted up in in people's sight, that they see you, that they see you more than they see anything else. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for that your Holy Spirit could be interceding in people's hearts, ministering to them. You've been made clean. God has cleansed you. And the kind of cleansing that he's given you is unable to ever be defiled again. You cannot be defiled by this world. You cannot be defiled by the corruption in this world. What God makes clean is cleansed once for all time. You have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. You've been washed clean by the blood of God Himself. God Himself has shed His blood for you to cleanse you from the death that's in the world. Though the sin that's in the world was red as crimson, tormenting you, filling you with fear. God has come and made it as white as snow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you could show people the light of the life that the Father has given them, Lord, that that life will shine with a white light, Lord, swallowing whatever crimson is trying to stain their conscience. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. We, we come to be stirred up by way of remembrance because the gospel is not an intellectual exercise where we try to amass an intellectual knowing and then we go off and say, well, we know, like two plus two. Two plus two equals four is something you learn one time and you know forever. The gospel speaks to the heart. It doesn't speak to the head. And the head can come to know some things, Right? So it's not to despise the head, but the gospel comes to speak to the heart and it comes to stir the heart up by way of remembrance of what is already true, of what God has already done, of how God has already offered his own self, how God laid down his life so that he could give you himself and he could give you his life. And we come together to forget about all of the other nonsense, right? And get lost in that. Willie's our sound effects guy. We're still working out the kink, so. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I turn on the music loud, right? And I know sometimes I try and get it right to where it doesn't hurt our ears. But we got all our lives to dwell in the noise. And we come together for a couple hours to, to think about and to be stirred up by way of remembering. It's, it's really like a magnificent thing. We, we really count it as common now. But can you imagine just the thought that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, he can't be contained by anything. The heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. And the presence of God Almighty abides in you.
inside of you. That is a magnificent, magnificent thought. And we, we, we've been conditioned to just think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have the Holy Spirit, right? And we don't, ever, we don't spend enough time to just stop and sit with God in wonderment and amazement about the fact that that's true and then all that that means, right? I mean, God Almighty, the fullness of God is dwelling inside of you. Has everybody believed on Jesus in here? Then God Almighty is dwelling inside of you. That's a magnificent thought. And we spend so much time thinking about everything else. We spend so much time talking about everything else because we're in this world. And there's no shame in doing that. But it would really behoove us to start talking with God and talking to one another about that. The fact that we're one body. We are one flesh with God Almighty through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of His body. What do you see in His body? Do you see any sin in his body? Do you see any darkness in his body? Do you see any corruption in his body? Do you see any death in his body? Do you see anything in the world that can come and put any of that in his body? Well, we're members of his body. Man, we come together to be reminded of that so that that becomes our daily bread, right? And then when we sing those songs, they actually mean something. You are my daily bread. Oh, you are. It's not just a song. And I know we've gotten so far away from who and what God is and what it is he actually did in Jesus to join himself to us, to make himself one body with us. You know, he took the initiative. We weren't even asking to be one with him. We didn't even know we could be one with him. And this guy wanted to be one with us so badly that he even came and was born of a woman, born inside of our blood. God Almighty was born in our blood. God Almighty. That's not just a nice fairy tale. That's just not just like, wow, God was born. It's the declaration that God wanted to be one flesh with you. For a reason. And it isn't because of what you can do for him. He came and commingled himself. He braided himself together with the very fabric of your being. We've gotten so mechanical in, in Christianity, right? It's just become about what we're supposed to do. We'll go to church on Sunday. That's what we do. We'll have our Bible studies because that's what we do. We'll sing our songs because that's what we do. We're experts at playing church. And I'm all for all those things. I do more of those things every week probably than most people. But those things are for the purpose of being stirred up by way of remembrance. That when you sing the song, you're not just singing a song. Right? When you're singing songs like, you are my daily bread, your heart is caught up with your union with God. And you see how you're partaking with the Lord in his body. And how inside of the body of the Lord, he put off corruption. He put off death. He put off weakness. He put off sin. And he was picked up by an incorruptible life. And that's your daily bread. That's real communion. You could take communion every day of your life and never know what any of it was about, and it wouldn't do anything for you, but you'd be playing church real good because you're supposed to take communion, don't you know? Man, the Father abides in you, 
And he abides in you to be your shield and your buckler. He abides in you to protect your life. He abides in you to provide you with safety, to bring a stillness to your life. He abides in you to decorate you in the fruit of his life. He abides in you to serve you. He abides in you to be your nourishment. He abides in you to make your mortal body alive. He abides in you to quicken even your mortal body. Imagine a God that can even bring forth the fruit of life in a body that has death in it. This body, it's mortal right now. And this God is so great, that's even a sign and a wonder and we don't even think about it. We just count it as common that the fruit of the Spirit can even come out of this body. Do you know what kind of God that we're busy with that can actually produce life out of something that has death in it? Do you know what that's trying to declare to us? That the life we're busy with is not at the mercy of the death that's in the world. The life that we're busy with does not bow down to the death that's in the world. The life that we're busy with is not fragile. I don't care what the world tells you. God isn't fragile. And if God is dwelling in you, then that means your life isn't fragile. And the way he even shows it to you is even produces life outside of a dead body. What? He consumed death inside of the body of Jesus to try to tell us something about the life he has in himself so that his life could be lifted up in our eyes and we could lose sight of all the darkness and death that's in the world because of the light of his life. But we're busy walking around talking all week about the corruption we see everywhere. Considering the death. Considering the death everywhere. And what are we going to do to stop the death? That's what it means to trample underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus. Because he shed his blood to stop the death. And now we're all living as if he hasn't stopped the death. And what are we going to do to stop the death? But he already did. And now the gospel calls us out of the world. It's the world that's trying to stop the death because the world doesn't see what God did to bring a plague to death. The gospel calls us out of the world. That's actually what the word church means. It's the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. Called out from what? Called out from a world that thinks they got to preserve their own lives from death. Called out from a world that thinks that death is the greatest thing, the most powerful thing, the strongest thing that no one can overcome. We're called out from thinking like that because we see there's a life that even overcame death in the flesh. And that's how the church becomes witnesses of the resurrection. Witnesses of a life that can even conquer death in the flesh, right? And now you see people tormented with fear by the death that's in the world, and that you run into them, you see them, you don't have to go knocking door to door. That's not what real evangelism is, but you're gonna run into people that are consumed with fear, consumed with torment because of the corruption and the death you see, and now you become a witness of the resurrection. You become the witness, I know, but can you believe it? The Lord Jesus came out of the grave. All the corruption that's bothering you right now, all the death, all the torment, all the lack that you're concerned with, all of that came upon Jesus at the cross and he swallowed it from the inside out. And there's no more death in his body. And man, God has come that you could partake with him in that body. Isn't it wonderful? You see? And so 
That's why we gather for church. It isn't to hear a nice message where we think the speaker is eloquent. I'm not eloquent. I don't even dress right. Look at me. I'm not even wearing pants. I don't even have socks on. What kind of a heathen am I? I just want to remind everybody why we come to church, because something that can happen with the traditions of man is we can get so routine. We're creatures of habit. We can get so routine in what we're doing that we could lose sight of what it's all about. We could lose sight of what's going on. Communion's one of the biggest things we lost sight about. We take communion because we're supposed to take communion. All the while, we have no idea what communion's even about. Taking communion is something that happens in the heart. It's not something you do outwardly. Jesus said that now is the time where the true worshipers of God will come forth, and they worship God in spirit, even in truth. And so we don't want to lose sight of, of what we're busy with. We're busy with the very personal God who has a very real life. And the life this God has in himself, this life actually has everything we need in it, right? And we're coming together to be stirred up by way of remembering this life and this God that we call Father. And we don't just call him Father because it's a nice thing where we say, oh, he likes me now, so he's my Father. When we call God Father, it's supposed to declare something. You know why I call my dad in the earth Father? Because my life came from him. I'm declaring to everybody the life I have, it came from him. When you call God Father, you're supposed to be reminding yourself over and over and over about where your life came from and what kind of a life you have. And so with my dad, you know, my dad, he has good genes for blood trans transference. He's got these gigantic veins. And so the blood can throw, flow through his body. And you know what? That made him a good runner. And so when I call my dad father, you know, I got that from him. That life he has in himself, I have in myself. And I was able to be a good runner. We call it genes. We call it DNA. When we call God father, what we're saying is, is that we have his life. He is our DNA. Our genes come from him. The world cannot tell you about your genes. The world can't tell you about your DNA. And I'm not against doctors. They're only doing what they've been taught by the world. But don't ever let some doctor come and tell you it's in your genes. But your genes come from above. Your DNA comes from above. Father, what is this life? There's something about this life. It even conquered the death of the cross. I want to know something about that, Daddy. I want that to be lifted up in my sight. I want that to become the most real thing to me because it is the most real thing. In fact, his life is the thing that holds everything together. And so that's why we come together. We don't want to lose sight of that with our routine, right? And say, okay, this is what we do. This is how we do it, right? This isn't a club. <laughs> this isn't a country club. Whatever kind of club there is, the Elk Lodge or whatever, that's not what this is. This is a place where we come to be stirred up by way of remembrance. And the way we get stirred up by way of remembrance is we have the Father and what He's done through the person of the Lord Jesus to pour out of Himself His life into us. We have that life put on display in us so that we can be nourished, so that we can be strengthened, so that we can walk in the wholeness that the Holy Spirit has given us through Jesus. Right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I think I preached too long already.
I'm never going to get to part two of this message. Does that make sense? Are y'all following that? We have this magnificent thing that is union with God. Imagine God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He did something to catch us up into the middle of himself. And man, it's a magnificent thing to be thinking about that. We spend so much time thinking about the different principles we can work to try to get something good to manifest. How can I get God to manifest this in my life instead of just thinking with God about how he manifested himself in me? And maybe I need to grow in my understanding of what it means that God Almighty has manifested himself in me. And Lord, teach me. Right? Forget about asking God to teach you what to do. Forget about trying to ask God about every decision. Ask God about what it means that he manifested himself inside of you. <laughs> That's like wonderment and amazement. What? God Almighty. He can't be contained. I mean, when he said, let there be light, look at everything that came forth. Just from him saying, let there be light. Now imagine that God decided to contain himself inside of you. Imagine what that can bring forth in you. Imagine what it can produce in your heart. Imagine what it can do to war against fear, torment, lack. Imagine what it can do to war against weakness and infirmity. Imagine what it can do to strengthen you in the inner person and even in your mortal body. Right? Stop trying to think about what you can do to make God happy. Stop trying to think about what you could do to please God. Because the thing that makes God happy is for you to start asking him about the life he's given you as a gift. And what does it mean that you have this treasure in an earthen vessel? Right? Lord, I want the treasure I have in this earthen vessel to be more real to me than the earthen vessel. Right? Lord, I want the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of your son that is built upon the shoulders of an indestructible life to be more real to me than the kingdoms of this world, Lord. Talk to him like that. Let your prayers be like that. I promise you it will be a tree of life inside of you. Lord, I desire this, I desire these things, I desire that, I desire... Lord, I desire for your kingdom to be more real to me than the kingdoms of this world. Into your hands I commit my desire. That's his good pleasure. Jesus said, come and ask anything in his name. We were translated in the kingdom of his dear son. That is praying in the name of Jesus. Right? That's what we come to be reminded of. That's what we come to twist on. We come to get caught up into that. We come to be immersed in the love of God. We come to be immersed in the Father, Son, and Spirit, in the life that they share in themselves. A life that's so much that it brought forth light in the midst of the darkness and the nothingness that was in Genesis. It, a life that's so much that it brought forth everything. A life that's so much that it holds all things together. A life that's so much that even when the creation that it made entered into the fullness of darkness and death all over again, that life is so much it could even enter into the middle of that death, join itself to that death, and then bring forth a new creation out of the death on the shoulders of its indestructible life. It's like Samson when his arms were tied to the pillars. And they were just torturing Samson. 
I mean, his arms are stretched out because it's a picture of the Lord Jesus. And what does Samson pray? Give me the strength one last time to pull this system down on myself that the people will be delivered. That's the Lord Jesus. He come and entered into the system, the darkness, the kingdoms of darkness that are in this world, and he pulled it down on himself knowing that it couldn't hold him and that he would come out of it. And when he came out of it, it would be God once again all over manifesting his life. But this time he would bring forth the creation that could never die again. That's us. That's what it means to be a new creation. It doesn't mean God likes you. The evidence that he liked you is that he came and died for you even while you were dead in sin. You were ungodly and he saw you worthy of his own life. You were yet sinners and he saw you worthy of his love. That's why he came and died for you. And so we got this whole foundation for being a new creation. Well, God was real angry with me. Now he's not angry with me anymore. That doesn't do anything to war against the death in your heart. A new creation is that God has done something to bring forth the creation on the shoulders of an indestructible life that can't die. You are a new creation. Your life is under the reign of Jesus' indestructible life. You're under the ministration of God's life himself. Your whole spirit, soul, and body is under the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ and his life. We made church about programs, clubs. We call it evangelism. It's not really evangelism. It's what we do to try to get God to be happy with us because he says we're supposed to do it. That's not evangelism. That's the vain imaginations of man trying to make God happy. That doesn't mean we won't evangelize. But Paul said evangelism is born from a heart that's been arrested by the love of God for people. Evangelism isn't born from being told you should evangelize. It happens when you become consumed by the love of God for all people. And you see that if one died for all, that means all were dead and that he wanted to come and save them from death. And then you walk around seeing people that are all living in the fear of death still. And you come and tell them, this God who loves you so much, he even laid down his own life to conquer your death. Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. 